Hey guys, Dane here with the Darkroom Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. In today's episode, I chat with one of your favorite photographers, Mr. Alex Stroll. And if he is not one of your favorite photographers because you, for some reason, do not know who Alex Stroll is yet, then I'm excited for you. And this is a really cool way to be introduced to Alex. And after that, go on Instagram or his website or his workshops and check out his work because his stuff is incredible and he's been doing it for close to a decade now. Alex and I chat about everything from the first time that he picked up a camera to his first big payday for a photo with a gigantic company, all the way to his first book, to his first workshop, and everything else in between. Alex has been putting out these workshops for a while now, helping these photographers around the world to you know gain access and knowledge and kind of jump into his brain and also the brains of his talented friends like Mr. Benjamin Hardman, who has been on this podcast before, and several others. So we get into that, his workshops, his books, uh, starting out as a photographer, really everything. His house that he built, by the way, in Whitefish, Montana, he bought land and he built a house on top of it. He didn't just buy a house, he built it. Uh, and that's where he is now in Montana. Uh, but anyways, we talk about all that too. So without further ado, here is a conversation with Alex Stroll. Welcome to the Dark Room Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the Dark Room. Alex Stroll, thank you so much for giving me the time. Of course, man. So you have a place in uh, Montana that is quite extraordinary in Whitefish. And once I saw that it was in Whitefish, it kind of became familiar because I grew up and I still go out all the time to Sandpoint, Idaho. Does that ring a bell? Do you ever go over there? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not too far. I haven't been yet. Yeah. So it's this amazing little town in Idaho, like really close to Canada where, you know, you're kind of close to Canada as well. My grandparents have a, a house out there and they've lived out there my entire life. So I go out there maybe every other year. I try to get there every year and it's just, it's, it's gorgeous. Like once you get to that part of the country, right? Like that line up there is is just so incredible. As as you know, living in in Whitefish, is that where you are right now? Yeah, yeah, in the studio. So, what got you excited about Whitefish, Montana, specifically? Yeah, I think it's one of, if not the coolest part of Montana, just because of um, the climate we get. We have this sort of intramountain climate, so we get influence from the ocean and influence from the continent. So. It makes for like really interesting conditions all the time. Um, so we'll get like either foggy days or like some storm comes out from the ocean and then it gets really dry because of the continent. So it just keeps it exciting and it makes the landscape, the vegetation be different than most of Montana. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be here. I mean, there was, you know, once upon a time, a massive glacier that come all the way here from Alaska and it ended up just at the end of the valley here. Um, so... I've always been looking for glacially carved terrain and looking for water in my work. So this kind of felt like the right place to be. Yeah. Well, and you know, you've been to so many different places. Were there any other, you know, spots in the running or spots that you guys kind of talked about to move to or, or was Whitefish? Like once you were there, like that was the the place. That's where, oh, you know, man. that's where yeah, it was. It, it, it's Montana for me. Yeah. It's like whenever I hear Montana, I'm like excited, just the word. Yeah. And that's because of, um, my dad, who studied out here, I mean, I've talked about it many times, but he studied out in Missoula in the 60s. And just, I grew up hearing stories about, you know, the American West and especially Montana. So I was primed, you know, to seek it. <laughs> I feel like a salmon just spawning up the river all the way to Montana. <laughs> so when did you decide that you guys wanted to build your own house rather than get a fixer upper or, or find something that, you know, you would want to just move into, you know, where did the passion come to, to kind of start your own project? I think I like blank canvases. I don't like starting with somebody else's mold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> almost literally. Right. But I wanted to start fresh and do our own design like just get creative with it. And so the first sketches of the house were done on a napkin 
<laughs> they're just like three, literally three triangles, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and from then on, it evolved into something that's more uh, budget friendly, and then it, you know, just appeared. Um, but I never was really in a rush for a house. It was more like Andrea, Andrea Debin, uh, my wife. Mm-hmm. She, you know, we've been on the road for we had been on the road for six years ish. So, you know, at some point you got to stop thinking about yourself and think about others. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is probably the time, right, to settle and, and you know, settle just mentally, I guess, because we can always go anywhere, you know, when we want. Right. But this feels feels like a, it's a new step. I always like new steps, right? I always find the best in things, and this feels like a new step to me. Um, just, it's like growing up, right? Okay, now you got to have a house, I guess. Um, if it wasn't for Andrea, I probably wouldn't have made a house. It doesn't really matter where I'm, where I'm living or as long as I can, you know, have the freedom I want, it's all I need. Well, yeah. And it seems like kind of a win-win for both of you, you know? Yeah. And it was a way to, to, you know, figure out a place that you would always want home base to be, which is super important. But, you know, coming from, from, you know, someone like you, who I feel like is so used to, to change and to, you know, moving from season to season, right? Yeah. Like you, you thrive off that. Does, is there any type of, um, you know, not fear, but is does the thought of, you know, having this place for, you know, the, the rest of your life, <laughs> does that does that kind of freak you out? Or, or is that, <laughs> like, is, have you come to terms with that? Yeah, so at the beginning, yes, right? You're like, oh, okay, I guess, we, you know, we're committed to this thing. Um, but I don't look at things in a permanent matter. Uh, you know, it's like when you buy a car or, you know, buy some, some good that retains some sort of value. I always see them as something that I can, you know, just pass along as I need to. Yeah. So the house is not permanent to me. You know, if you need to pass it along to somebody else and move on, it's something that's easy to do. So I don't feel big emotional attachment to things. I think it comes down to that. Uh, ever, si- ever since I was little, never really been too attached to things. So, but yeah, of course, at the beginning, you're like wondering, okay, now we got to pay for this thing, right? <laughs> So, okay, so you are, you were born in France, right? Yeah, born in Spain, actually. Born in Spain, Madrid. okay, Madrid. Yep. Yeah, I was confused on like where you were born and then where you grew up. It can be quite confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't choose. <laughs> so, okay, so you were born in Spain, in Madrid, and then when did you, when did you end up in France? Um, uh, age, uh, I think around 14 years old. Yep, yep, got kicked out of uh, high school. So the punishment was that we would move to France, <laughs> which in hindsight doesn't sound that bad, but you know, when you're a teenager, it does. <laughs> so in doing research and doing some homework, you know, pinpointing kind of the beginning, like the very beginning of, of picking up a camera, at least when you first did, you know, was, was a little bit patchy. Can you kind of get into, you know, the beginning days, like the very early days of, you know, getting a camera and, and kind of finding this thing that you liked in photography? Yeah, to me, it was through experimentation. You know, I, fi- I think that you find what you're into just by experimenting. You got to repeat things a couple times and then try new ones too and kind of listen to your instinct, like see what's sticking, you know, what's what you're into. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I just started with uh, an old um, film camera that uh, my great uncle had and... I ended up buying some lenses for it off eBay, mm-hmm. the 50, you know, 35, 24. Yeah. yeah, I was really excited about getting the all these primes, I remember. Um, but aside from that, I didn't know much. Um, I was just tinkering with, with it and uh, going on motorcycle rides, actually, on dirt bike rides. Cool. Uh, just to, for fun in the weekends, because we moved to France and kind of into the woods. So going around with the camera gave me a, more like a purpose and I think it's always been the same, right? The camera, I think I'm a better traveler than I'm a photographer. And I think the camera, the camera gives me a, per, you know, a reason to do something. Yeah, you know, for like sure. A license to go there. Yeah, it's it funny me, how that happens, right? Yeah. It's just a, yeah, just a pretext to go travel somewhere. Yeah. Like in these, in these early days when you were shooting, you know, where did those photos end up? Oh man, it was all about Flickr. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, big, 100%. Yeah, big Flickr, 365 project and all this stuff. Flickr groups. <laughs> when did you start to put out work that at least you felt really started to become noticed or, or you know, grabbed onto by, you know, other people, whether it was good criticism or, or you know, or just, you know, constructive criticism? Like, did you kind of find a, a point like that? Yeah, several places. There was this forum 
this French forum, I remember, where people talked about um, computers. Like, I was into modding my computer, you know, like you make it oh, faster, yeah. et cetera. Kind Definitely. Of like car. Yeah, and there was like a photo section in there, so I'd always go and post photos and then talk with people about that. Uh, everybody would post their photos. It was literally an old forum. It, it looked like kind of like Craigslist looks like now. Yeah. Same body, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's blue links and that's it. Exactly. And then um, I feel old. And then... <laughs> And then Flickr came and I would also put them on Flickr. And that was when, yeah, I mean, I don't think there was some massive success on Flickr. It was just normal. I would just put them up there and put them to groups and then talk with people. It was really innocent approach. At this point, did you, you know, did you kind of think that this was going to be something that, you know, you'd get obsessed with and, and you know, jump into photography full time or, or were you just doing it for fun? At that point, it was just for fun, right? It was during high school. Yeah, uh, in the end of high school, and then after that, I started to do a, a design school, and then we had to do some photo projects. So I bought a little DSLR, and in the weekends, I'd take it to the Alps to shoot my friends mm-hmm. uh, skiing, like freestyle skiing here in the park. Yeah, and that's how I started like taking more like serious photos, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. So, so you know, when that happens, you know, I'm sure you realized that there was something there. Right. When do you remember the first time that you either were paid for a gig or, or you you know did a job, but it was you know kind of uh, heightened in either expectations or, or delivery? Yeah, the significant one was, and I've talked about it. Uh, it's just selling a photo to Microsoft. One that it was actually on five hundred px. So it was like after Flickr. Oh yeah, that site. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah that's still around, there. right? Oh yeah, yeah. They're great. Yeah, I owe them a lot. It was just on this photo on five hundred px that I had keyworded with a bunch of keywords. So never underestimate the power of them. And Microsoft found it and wanted to buy it for many monies. <laughs> and I was I was in university, so I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a scam until like, uh, you know, a wire transfer came in into my Canadian bank account. <laughs> I was in Cuba, in Quebec at the time. Uh-huh. And was that, so it was USD to CA to Canadian dollars. Like, wow, <laughs> even more. Yeah. So I was really, I was really floored. Um, that's when I was like, okay. At that time I was working at, part-time as I was studying at a local newspaper, making uh, editorial stories, like filming and editing with a journalist. On okay. Several, uh, you know, we just did a couple of stories, two stories a day. Yeah. Yeah. But that, you know, it was just like a th- fun thing to me. I was like, oh, I'll learn QuickTime. Uh, no, they were using Final Cut 7, I think, or one of these. Oh, wow. And they had like these TV cameras, you know, with like no depth of field. It's like, oh, can we get lenses for these cameras? <laughs> like, no, you can't change that because they're like so shitty. No, exactly. There's no DOF. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just, we'd go around and, you know, oh, there's a cat stuck in a tree. Let's make a story about that. Or, oh, yeah. oh, there's a house that burned down. Let's make a story about that. So it was really interesting. And then that check came in. I was like, all right, good. It was the end of the season, like the end of the school season. Like right. It was June, so yeah, got the check, and Andrew and I just hit the road for a year. Yeah, okay, so then that was what, like 2010, right? Because that's around the time that you guys... Yeah, a little later, I think. Was later. Uh, maybe, yeah, 2011, I think. Yeah, it was in 11 or 10, yeah. So when you guys hit the road, you know, what was... You know, what was the mission? Like, did you have a plan, or did you just kind of go one way and say, you know, we'll figure it out when we get there? Hmm. So Instagram had came out at that point. So it was definitely 2011 and November 2011. That's when I signed up, I think. And I see, I saw traction there. I committed to posting on it every day from day one kind of thing. Yeah. And I was seeing traction and way more traction than I had seen on Flickr or 500px. I was like, ooh, there's like a change here in behavior, right? Like right. There's way more interest on this thing. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go all in on this. I'm going to just, you know, keep, keep shooting my photos, putting them every day and then, I'm going to follow people I, you know, who, whose works I like. Simple as that. And interact is really small back then. And that was, that was part of the plan. It's like, all right, well, a good reason to travel. We got some, some funds from good old Microsoft. Yeah, oh yeah. We got, we got a place to post them. And then we have Andrea's family that's in Chile. So we went to Chile. Then we kind of went around. I just wanted to shoot all these places. Yeah. Um, there was no sort of, you know, master plan behind it. I just knew that. I wanted to hit the road and make photos about all these places I dreamed of going. And nobody was really doing that back then on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. so then how, you know, how long after, or how long did it take for, for other brands to, to reach out and you know, say like, mm. hey, like, why don't you do something for us? So sadly, it wasn't linked to time. It was more linked to the amount of followers you had. Yeah, yeah. It still is, though. Still is, yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, I think that um, because I was in Canada at that time, I was shooting photos of... Um, 
of like you know the the outdoors there, and they were starting the suggested user list on Instagram. Oh like yeah, yeah. They suggest users. Yeah, yep. yeah. So um, that's when they had a permanent one for a while, and then they started rotating people on it. So I was part of a rotation because I was in Canada. I think they didn't have much people like using it properly in right. Canada. Yeah. So I ended up picking up a lot of followers from that. I think it was 30,000 at the time. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's still to this day, so a lot of followers, 30,000. Yeah. So I was like, cool. Uh, then that's when I think brands were more interested. I could walk in into a meeting room and be like, this is who I am. And they're like, how did you get so many followers? <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Yeah." laughs> like, I just shoot. Yeah, good old question. Out. Yeah, good question. Yeah, it, it never had a really good explanation for it until you know you start to understand how it all works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's when the audience started growing. Um, then there were some BuzzFeed features that were really helpful too. Um, you know, these top photographers, top Instagrammers of the world, uh, making it to the few, you know, to the top of a few of these lists definitely helped a lot too back then. Yeah, for sure. When you know, I talked about this with uh, with Tyson as well too, like kind of being, you know, kind of being a pioneer in that space, which is which is crazy too. That I got to say that uh, I just recently realized how old you are, and <laughs> it blew my mind. I just have to be completely honest. Like, hopefully you aren't offended by this, but because if anything, I thought you were maybe six to seven years older, right? Oh, so I no yeah, so I see your age, and I'm like, oh, we're essentially the same age. What am I doing in my life? One of those I don't things. think it works like that. No, I know. But uh, but no, you it's know, like just, Flume, the artist, is like 19, well, it was 19 back then. So it's probably 23 now. No, I know, know, right? crushing it. So like real quick, side note, uh, has had like being, you know, a young photographer now and, and when you first started, like did you ever look around and, and did age either, you know, drive you or, or did it kind of bog you down or, you know, like seeing what other people were doing? Like, did, has that ever been a factor in your life? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. I mean, candidly is f- growing facial hair definitely helped me uh, <laughs> com- convince clients. Definitely. No joking. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It makes you look older. Yeah. And then learning how to speak in a more older way <laughs> to some people, right? Like sort of fine tuning your language to depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, um, I'd say that the, um, being young in the industry, I guess, was really motivating because, you know, you're like, God, I have all the time in the world to fail. And I don't know, to me, it was just really exciting to uh, to have this learned experiences that I was able to have and apply them to the to this work. Um, and being young was really stimulating, is stimulating. Yeah. Are you, or, or, you know, have you been a patient person at all? No. Yeah. Do you do you find that that has been um, beneficial, or do you think that patience is something that people should at least try to to bring in and take in? Well, there's for me there's different patiences, right? There's the stoic patience, you know, which is like more like looking at things in terms of a lifetime, like oh, I'll be, you know, my the scope of my work is my lifetime, right? Right. Like I appreciate that, I understand that, but you know. Then there's a the patience of like, oh, I send two emails to some brands and I'm waiting for them to get back to me. You know, we'll see next week. That to me is not acceptable. Yeah. Um, so there's two types of patience, right? There's like the patience that's masking laziness or lack of a plan. And there's the patience that's more like long-term for bigger things. So I like the former. Patience in the long-term of the scope of your work. Uh, as long as it's like this sort of inner patience. That's what I'm trying to develop. It's... Uh, Work in progress. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think that uh, um, apps like Instagram and things like, you know, just this connectivity that we have that's so instant, right? I think what it's doing is it's making uh, impatience very, very common and very popular and people that, yeah, that want it overnight, yeah. right? So they want to they wanna have 100,000 followers in a week. They want to have, you know, they want to have it all. And, you know, you look at somebody like, like you and like your body of work, Right. And like, well, well, I guess we can lump it into, I'd say a decade of, you know, first, like really like, you know, working with brands and, and going to where you are now. Is that probably, probably right in the timeline about 10 years? Yeah. Nine, I think. Yeah. Nine, nine, yeah. nine and 10 years. And like, you know, there, there are so many things that, that you have done and a lot of people off an instant glance, if they haven't been following you for a long time, like they just see your work today, you know, and they see yeah. your followers today. And that's, that's a super interesting 
you know, way to approach, you know, trying to get big and, and overnight success, but, but everything that you've been through is, you know, your story too. And, it, you know, I'm sure if you look back at your photos from 10 years ago, right? <laughs> like what, like what would you see then compared to the Alex Stroll that we see now, you know? For sure. It's the story arc. You got to cultivate that because even your work has a story arc. Your life has a story arc, right? And that thing that should shine through your work. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that you um, do too, which is, is, is something that I think is, you know, huge and important. Like I strive to do it too, is like you've built this empire for yourself. And, you know, with, with, when it comes to your workshops and, you know, all the photos over the years and the video, like, you know, like it came from an idea. It came from that spark of, you know, like, why don't I, like, I'm, I need to build this brand up and that brand is you. And yeah, that, that's just, important. Uh, yeah. Offering, offering you things. Um, I mean, we're getting to the end of free growth on Instagram, right? Like, I think that mm, few people will be getting rich audience-wise, you know, for free. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're on, on a different phase here on the app, like kind of Facebook was, a phase of monetization. Yeah. So I think that's what I feel, right? It may be wrong, but I feel like to me it's just time to expand, right, and do other things too, like help people crush it. <laughs> exactly. Like, so have you, you know, have you been putting these things into place for a while or, or did you start putting like the workshops out and doing things like, you know, outside of Instagram, once you kind of saw the, the, not, not the downturn, but the, the, like the breaks kind of being, you know, pushed on Instagram. Yeah, definitely. And you know, we all talk about it a lot. Like, Oh, seems like the, you know, the free growth is slowed down. So what else is there? Right. It's good. You need these moments. You need these pivots to keep growing. Yeah. Nothing is forever. So I'm very grateful for what you know Instagram has done to to my career and life, and I still use it every day. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you should you know try to build your own distribution kind of thing. It's a vast topic. Yeah, no, for sure. And and one question that I wanted to ask you is, so you know we can see a progression of of somebody's you know career essentially at least when they first started posting photos to now on Instagram which is awesome right like you can go back and go all the way to the very beginning which is super interesting but you know you can see the progression of a photographer or a creative um you know over the years what progressions have there been for you specifically that we can't see through a photo and that we you know we can't just easily scroll through and see your progression like what what other progressions behind the scenes have happened with you and your work? Man, that's a good question. I, I like it. I think um, I read a lot and what books bring me doesn't necessarily shine directly into the work like in the next week, but over the years it will shape the story arc. Right. Um, so I've been reading a lot about uh, life outside, slow travel, walking, you know, what it means to walk. So all this like philosophical approaches. <laughs> yeah. And it's really helping me shape the long-term vision here. Um, so that's be one of, one of, that'd be one of them is, you know, you don't see what somebody reads, uh, but they just add up into making this like giant ball of knowledge that will sort of enhance the depth of your, of your work. Yeah, yeah, I dig that. No, that's great. I like maybe it sounds a little bit high level, but no, <laughs> what I'm no. saying is that just enriching, picking from areas of interest, whatever these areas might be, will you know makes your work shine. It makes your work better. Uh, so it's not only about reading about photography or learning about photography; it's all these other things. Yeah, no, I I fully agree, and I you know I think you know to add to that as well too, like you know finding like you said inspirations outside of, of photography or. or the most important, you know, that's what really can make your work unique because nobody else kind of is sitting in your brain and, you know, having the inspirations from music or reading or even podcasts, right? Like even yeah, other, your other things, is, right? That's where you have to dig into that stuff. Like whenever there's something that feels interesting, you get to follow that thread until, you know, and you build on one thread from the other one, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, so like, you know, with somebody is as unique of work as you have, what has changed your work along the way? Do you, do you have any, you know, specific moments either in life or just in, in your work where you wanted to take it in a different direction and that's, you know, added on to itself over time, you know, compared to the Alex Stroll of 2000, you know, 10, 11, 12 to the one yes. that we see today? 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the the older you know the older version, <laughs> v v one was more into um, and more approach nature in a more content contemplative way. Uh huh. It's like we go look and we would take a, a landscape photo and we move on. Great. And v two and v three have been trying to bring in more activities around it because. I've been, you know, becoming more fond of being active outside, skiing, and I mean, I always did it, but it's because I've been having more free time than before. Yeah, I've been able to dig deeper into these activities and sports, and I was like, shit, I can take photos of this. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what's been sort of the natural evolution. Is just I've been focusing more on doing. So instead of being like, I'm going to go there to take a photo, it's more like, you know, what do I want to do? Where do I go to do that? Let's capture it. Yeah. For sure. And and where did the inspiration for the workshops come from? Um, I was sitting with a friend, I think, and, you know, he was just like, why don't you make workshops online? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah. Well, teach, teaching like, oh, is scary. It's take, yeah, for sure. Yeah, why me? So then he's like, ah, I don't know. Let's, I'll come back tomorrow and we'll start to write down some sort of game plan about what you want to talk about. Like, yeah. All right. And he brought a notepad the next day and uh, we sort of jammed and started there so it's really and it's it was pretty innocent again it's like why not sure yeah well you know in in your workshop and in your videos you know you come across really really natural you know really comfortable really oh thanks you know like with the camera it just seems you know like a piece of cake for you did you have to instill that in yourself did you have to build That's up the confidence in yeah, a lot of work to do but thank you <laughs> no I, I i really feel that but you know oh, cool. that's a that's a muscle you know, that's a, that, that doesn't, you know, some people might get that naturally, but I know that like working with a camera like that is a muscle to, to build and to grow on. Like how, you know, or, or, you know, when did you like really, you know, get that built up and when did you become comfortable in front of the camera? Well, I think I'm still working on it, right? I, I'm still not able to be oblivious about it. I, my dream is to just, you know, pretend as if there's no camera like <laughs> yeah. look at it but just see it as a human yeah uh, so that's the ultimate goal right uh, but i think it's just repetition those workshops are you know very important for for numerous reasons and and you know the biggest one being that they help and they educate and they get people involved right and they you know they they let somebody who, you know, is kind of afraid to, to learn themselves or, or at least someone that is not going to go out and do it 100% of their own, like they need this, right? So it's it's yeah. cool that you can be, you know, that voice and, and also somebody that, you know, people look up to already. So I think it's really cool that you do them. And, you know, I, I also want to talk about how you bring people in to these workshops as well. So, you know, guys like Benjamin Hardman and, uh, you know, Finn, yeah. like you, you, yeah. you bring these people in there that are also huge. So like what, what, what is it that you, you know, either seeing these people that you want to bring in or like, you know, (laughs) you collaborating in this way is so cool, but it's very unique. A lot of people that do workshops and a lot of people that do these tutorials, right? Like it's kind of all about them. So it's cool that you can, you can bring these people in as well. Like what's, what's, you know, what's that process been like? Yeah. I feel like the photography and creative industries are really like a lone wolf industries. You know, not cinema, but yeah, especially photography and design. I feel like it's like lone wolf. You know, I'll do my thing for sure. <laughs> keep trudging along. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. After the first and second workshops, I was like, okay, well, I don't know everything. Let's talk about something else. Yeah. And I just sat down and I was like, okay, who's some of the most you know knowledgeable people on a certain topic that I know, and let's bring him in, right? Yeah, for and sure. Also, people that I've spent time together, so I knew you know how they would react to a camera. I knew that, you know, they could be well-spoken, et cetera. So it's part of this big mumbo-jumbo in my head. I'm like, okay, perfect person, let's do it. Yeah. But it's the parameters is that, is that yeah, uh, what can they teach? What are they, what, are they, what are they best in the world at? And can they deliver it well, concisely? And then can we have fun doing it? Yeah. Because, like, we try to really make the workshops a good experience when we film them. When you were, you know, coming up and learning how to shoot, did you find that, you know, being around people and surrounding yourself with, with other, you know, talented creatives, like was that kind of the way that you were able to to level up and to learn more things, or you know, what was oh, yeah. what was your process like? Yeah, definitely. I'm always big on asking for advice. <laughs> if you know, and more than most people I know, if I have a question, I'll ask somebody who I know has the answer, even though if it's almost out of 
Uh, and I realized that the more you ask for help, the more people will help you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm always happy to help too, right? It's not like it's only one way, but I feel like it's just karma, right? So I don't shy away from asking people for advice. Uh, as long as they're in the area, you know, they have a track record in yeah. the area I'm curious about, then I'll, yeah, I'll exactly. ask, right? It's not about asking everybody, right? Because <laughs> then you get confused. You get asked ask specific persons about a specific thing, and then the results are really amazing, and then people will follow up and help you more. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've always been really curious about, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I would you know talk with the neighbors if they would be doing something. Like, what are you doing? Show me. <laughs> Just teach me what you're doing. So I'm really thirsty on knowledge. Yeah, that's important. A lot of people are, you know, kind of introverted in that sense. And you kind of got to hear, you know, somebody like you say that like, no, you need to get out there and, you know, yeah, meet people advice. and ask for advice. I, I totally agree. That's great. So yeah, it's not going to come by itself. Like knowledge doesn't come automatically like that. Yeah. So uh, when did you first meet Benjamin? Was it when you went to uh, Iceland for a trip and then met him there? Did like when? Yeah, did, when exactly did you guys like meet? that. We'd been talking on the internet, but I, th- I think one night um, I was in Reykjavik. I don't know what year it was. A couple of years ago, and I think there was some sort of high northern lights alert, and I was in this apartment, and I was like, "Shit, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't out. have a car. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a car, but and I don't, I don't know where to go. Uh, let me just you know message Ben, kind of thing." Yeah. That's it. We had been talking in, you know, in messages already when I was in Iceland. I was like, oh man, it seems like there'll be Northern Lights. He's like, I know. Do you want to go out? I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we went on this mandate and uh, <laughs> see the Northern Lights in the dark. Yeah. Uh, it was so cloudy, we didn't see anything, but we got to know each other. And yeah, was, still romantic. You know, we just hit it off well. <laughs> yeah, it's really romantic. We hit it off well. That's how it starts always. So see, again, like asking for advice, right? I could have just tried to figure out all on my own where to go, find a car, but I was like, no. Why? Yeah. You know? Oh man. Ben's around. He lives like two blocks down the street. Yeah. We just meet him, and we go do this together. Oh man, what a what a crazy place for for him to you know call home base and like uh, you know following mm-hmm. him on Instagram and seeing just like every other day there's a there's a gigantic four by four truck stuck in some <laughs> some <laughs> part of a glacier. They're just they're trying to get out, and he's just like, yeah, we're snowed in for three days, but all's good. <laughs> like, I'm sitting here it's in L.A. Good, yeah. yeah, it's, it's like, good. God, 85 <laughs> degrees in L.A., and I'm looking at him, and I'm cold just looking at the phone. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but it's, it's a windy place, man. Yeah, I've and never it's, been. Uh, oh, yeah. well, it's it's both of him, right? He yeah. just came from Australia, went straight to the Kex hostel there, working, scrubbing toilets and cleaning up rooms, and slowly, you know, got his way up uh, to the totem pole. Yeah, yeah, and his work is, you know, as you know, just unbelievable, so... Definitely a signature look. Yeah. That's why we, we did the workshop, you know, of finding your style is because he has spent, he spends a lot of time thinking about that. So it's like perfect mind for that. Yeah. Yeah. Like what, you know, what are the, what does that look like for, for you? You know, like when you, when you talk about finding your style and, and, you know, using the word unique, which, which I like a lot that you use because it kind of, kind of makes sense of, of finding a particular style is really just, you know, finding something that's unique to you. I know it sounds very simple, but you know, that, that (laughs) resonates with me a lot. Uh, when approaching a place or, you know, approaching a shoot is, you know, just find the uniqueness in it. So that, that helped me a lot to, to find my style, but you know, how do you, how do you define that? A style is to me is something that when somebody sees the image, they're like, okay, this is a X photo, right? This is this guy took it, this gal took it. Yeah, um, that to me is the ultimate compliment for sure. Um, and then you have other schools of thought too. We can we can we can get into, but a style is um, is I think it's a reflection of your current state of mind, right? Because it's always evolving, but there is still like the way your you know your brain is wired. Like sometimes people will be like, oh man, I have this concept. Um, I don't know if it's going to be cheesy or not or whatever. And, you know, I'll be like, I don't think, like the way your brain is wired is not cheesy, right? You don't have cheesy ideas. Yeah. Your work's not cheesy. So I don't think you have to worry about that. We got that covered. Don't worry about being cheesy, not being cheesy. Just do the things you think are cool. Don't, because if your brain, the way your brain is wired, it's not going to do that. Right. It's not going to let you do that, right? So I think that a lot of people get caught up into, oh, should you look like this or like that? Mm, I don't know. It's like follow that instinct in the brain because trust the trust your wiring. I would say, yeah, for sure. That's the way. And then if you don't have a style, we'll get the workshop and then listen to Ben, uh, of course. And then after that, you have to 
experiment with things, right? Like you get to dig back into childhood, like sit down and write the 30 things you love doing, whatever, 20 things you love doing. Could be like riding a bike and eating ice cream. I don't know. (laughs) But you'll find a common thread in them. Yeah. And that's where magic starts to happen. It's like, okay, I've seen this connection. You know, there's like four times I've talked about riding bikes or, you know, being on, I don't know, playing basketball. Like, okay, I'm into sports. Good. Why? And then you start digging all the whys. Right. Yeah. And visually, then it comes down to your, I mean, films for me provide a lot of inspiration visually. Magazines too. So it's sort of what's your, what's your, what's your made up culture? You know, what do you surround yourself with and who do you surround yourself with? And that's what makes your style. Yeah. It's not just what you do in your head all the time. So it's an addition of all these things. Are there ever moments where you, um, not uh, struggle isn't the word, but to, to get your style through the lens. And, and if you're in a spotless, you ever, do you ever f- have moments where you need to think back, step back for a second and, and really kind of hone in like your comfortable style? Like, or, or does it always come natural every single time, every shot? If that makes sense. Um, I don't think about it. Yeah. 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 Like I said, it's just like, I trust the wiring and I'm, you know, when I have an idea, I'll kind of challenge it. Cause he's the first idea is not the best one, right? Yeah. First draft. Good. And then we build on it and I don't think about it too much. That does it match the style or not. It's if it's, if it's outside, we're in a good shape. If it's, uh, if it's, you know, if the light is soft, we're in an even better shape. So there's all these parameters, right? It has to be outside, has to, the light has to be soft. So that's just things I naturally gravitate towards, but I don't think about it too much. Yeah. And Does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. Okay. Uh, how how big is confidence, at least to you? I, I've heard you talk about it in a video, and I, I find that interesting too, because it is very true that, you know, confidence as really anything you do is going to give you the comfort to be better. But, you know, how, how important is confidence to you when it comes to your work? Very. Yeah. <laughs> Very. And although I don't dwell on my work, I don't like to look back on it too much. Like, oh, that was a cool photo back then. It's more like m- moving forward all the time. Um, I think that to my you know inner speech is like, there is people out there who need what I do. Yeah. And I will just deliver that. That's it. It's like, and there's a lot of people who need this. Yeah. A lot of people, they just don't know it, that we haven't met yet, but I can provide that for them. And that's it. That's all I say to me. Yeah. I love that. Especially now too, just like in 2019 with all these yeah, brands. Yeah, so many like, photographers, you know, blah, so blah, blah. Many. Yeah, sure. But none of them's the same. They might look the same, but they're not. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And and when it comes to reaching out to brands and, and you know, oh, yeah. reaching out for work, like, do, you, do you do that a lot now or was that? Kind of yeah. like 2.0 oh, version. Yeah. Always, man. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Always. Yeah. yeah. Even more. Because the inbound stuff is good, but maybe 80% will turn down because it's not, you know, the right fit or the right timing or the right budget. Yeah. But you, I, I like to create my own momentum. I take pride in that and I like to, again, like come up with my ideas and, and pitch them to people. That's... I think that I'm a better pitchman than I'm a photographer. You know, get me on the phone and we'll talk about it. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we'll do it. Do you kind of do you have a team around you that also helps with anything like that? Or is it is it a one-man yeah, show? Yeah. No, no, there's four of us. Okay. And then uh, yeah, it's good. When, when it comes to, like, like, do you have an agent? Like, how, how, like what does that team look like? Um, so, yeah, I have a, we have an agency in Vancouver called Stan yeah, Wonder. Stan Wonder. Uh, yeah, Stan Wonder, yeah. I started with Maurice Lee in 2012. Um and then we brought another partner, Rishad Darwala, in 2016. Um, but I've been kind of out of the operations, just been like, a, you know, we chat a lot every week, but I haven't been operating at all. Yeah. And um, I've done the experiment of training uh, my own studio manager. Uh, name is Graham, Graham McDonald. And he is, uh, you know, his job is to pitch brands and uh, sort of take once the pitch is done, it kind of helped me project manage the whole thing yeah. from beginning to end. And that's been big because I am not super organized. So you got to surround yourself <laughs> with people who com- complete you, right? Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So see your strengths and then, you know, fill them up. So with, with Stay and Wonder, are you guys mainly working on Instagram campaigns or are you going beyond that and doing like branding for, for web no. and, and for all that? I think Instagram is... No, so it's a content production house, right? So we don't do branding or design. Okay. No, it's all like 
digital agency content production. Um, I feel like Instagram could be maybe 30% of the business. The rest is just photo and video. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, like website, yeah, all just that. Shooting, no, not even website. No, really? just shooting campaigns. We just shoot. Yeah. Send people in the field and shoot. Where does, where does the work go? Oh, catalogs. Okay, so pr- a lot of print. Catalogs or clients, you know, clients digital, uh, clients digital properties, uh, yeah, websites, print. Are these, are these shoots the ones that you primarily are doing? No, no, no. Um, no, we represent about 20 people now. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then depending on you know the, the fit of the project, we just send the right people on it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's super cool. So like building those 20 people, did you have that from the from the start? Did you start with 20 or did you start with a no, couple and then no, build no, from there? like two or three and then we grew from there. Yeah. What characteristics in, you know, like let's just use those photographers as an example, but like, you know, what do you see in... in the photographers and, and the creatives that you bring on to, to, you know, to be in that team of 20? I think it comes from connections and whether or not it matches what the needs are, right? Because we were started by being really outdoors focused and expanded into doing more uh, urban things, even food. Um, so it's just kind of filling up the gap so we can produce any type of content pretty much mm-hmm. into any niche so it's more like variety with the same sort of common thread, visual thread that our people have. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to your schedule and your your workflow now, you know, what does the what does the month to month look like? The month to month, well, it's we have some deliverables we set for ourselves, some goals at the beginning of every month. So X many workshop editions, X many newsletters, yeah. X many articles on some magazines we'll write up, uh, X many films on YouTube. And then in the middle of that, there's client work. So it's a busy time. Yeah. So how do you, you know, how do you step away from it at, you know, the end of the day when it comes to, you know, time allocated? Because I feel like, you know, as a freelancer, you kind of have this overwhelming schedule always ahead of you and, you know, things to do and and things to cross off the list. And it's, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's easy to work until 2 a.m. A lot of the weekdays. Yeah, no, I don't know? do that. Yeah, so like, no, I mean, I try not to. Yeah, well, how, you know, what have you? Sometimes you have to, right? <laughs> Sometimes um, you do. Yeah. Yeah, I just take it day by day. I have a really simple sheet when it comes to tactics. I have a really sim- sim- simple sheet that's called today, and uh, I'll do whatever's on that list that day. And then if I don't finish, it's still there, so I can't add anything to it until that's done, and then keep going. Yeah. It's. I try not to just you know live off a to do list, but if it's written there, it's gonna be made. It's not gonna be out of my mind. So that's how I manage it. And then the long-term goals, like the schedule, et cetera, it's just more managed by the crew here. Well, do you, do you, you know, have kind of the, the uh, luxury of, of being able to book out way ahead of time? Because, you know, I feel like a lot of gigs that come by, it could be like, hey, you know, can we have you out here in a week or in two weeks? You know, do things yeah, like that yeah, ever jump tough, into your man. schedule? These are tough. Yeah, what yeah. do you do about those? Um, depends. You know, like two, a few weeks ago, there was a... Uh, um, the clothing brand that came to town, uh, actually Fjallraven, um, and they do outdoors clothing, and they give us like two week two week heads up, I'm like, hey, we want to shoot some uh, winter stuff. Uh, is it still winter in Montana? Like, yeah, <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's kind of yeah. ending. Uh, better come quick, right? So if they come out here, we have everything scouted. You know, we know where we're going, so it's way less maintenance than going somewhere new and scouting it. So that's why also it's good to leave out here is that we have you know, a limited amount of wilderness and places we can photograph at. So these work well when we can keep it local. Yeah, like for sure. will come to us and then we shoot it. These work out great. And it's not like the, you know, it's ugly here, so it works out for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no, otherwise, exactly. if it's like, oh, can you go to Shanghai next week for this? And, you know, it better, better match our goals. Yeah. Well, you know, because, you know, lifestyle design, which, you know, you are kind of the master at, at least it seems, uh, did you, did you have to, you know, do a lot of work that you either didn't want to do or do anything that you didn't want to just to either make ends meet or, or to make money along the way? Or have you always kind of had this freedom while you've been shooting of, you know, just kind of going with the flow? Cause I find it like even my own life, right? Like I, you know, I still do shoots from time to time that I'm not necessarily super passionate about, but I kind of get in this workflow and this mindset of, you know, got to keep going, got to keep going, got to shoot, got to take what I can. Mm. No, I try to have a more abundant mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 
I've strived to never, you know, if I've done a, sh- a shoot that I didn't like, that I didn't think was like, you know, helpful for everybody, like it wasn't going to make good images, right? which is the goal. Um, I'll feel like I learned from these and I don't do them again. So I've been trying to, yeah, I think I've, I've been doing mostly things I want to do. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting too, like being a photographer or creative where the work that you put out, the work that you show will attract, uh, you know, that work to come back and, and you know, continue to work with you. Yes, that's that makes what you put sense, out you know, on the website, yep. What you put out there, right? So, you know, if you're doing 25% of your projects or, or ones that you not, aren't necessarily, you know, not that you aren't proud of them, but that you don't want to keep doing, right? Like yeah. if someone doesn't want to do weddings, but they do a couple weddings and they only post those, but they don't really want to, but that's yeah, the work that they them. put yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're going to do that stuff that you don't want to do if you know if you have to for sure and yeah. just don't post it anywhere then. yeah yeah exactly well you know and then looking at someone you know like you with your work where the snowball effect's been happening but you know you are primarily landscape and you've always attracted those brands was there ever a time where you know you kind of thought that you were going to take your photography in a different direction or have you always you know been out you know in nature with a camera and you know, that's been what shooting I've been doing yeah Yep. Yeah, there was there was never kind of another thought along the way of of you know taking your photography. I mean, sure, there's influences, right? Some more lifestyle influences, and less, uh, but it stays really focused on on the outdoors. Yeah, yeah, but I think that some brands, you know, that they don't want to reach out because they think that you know we're not going to be interested or something. But I think that so many things, so many stories can be told in interesting ways, right? I mean, just two weeks ago, we did a film about a new tripod. <laughs> I never thought yeah, I'd make a film about a tripod. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, the, it looks great. The video you did was great too, but that that tripod looks really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, but I never thought I'd make a film about a tripod, right? <laughs> yeah, but you exactly. can still make it interesting and, and useful. So yeah, any any story can be told. So um, if you're a marketer out there and sometimes you don't know if you should reach out or not to some photographers, I think that you should try it anyways because the stories can be spun in so many ways that are interesting and valuable. It's just if the people you reach out to have the right mindset. It'd be a win. Yeah. And then, you know, that's why, you know, getting that style, at least your unique style is so important because like, you know, for instance, like Joe Greer, when, uh, when we chatted, we talked about, you know, how he went on tour and shot music for a little bit with, uh, Leon Bridges. Right. And it's like, you know, he had not done that before, but you know, all he did was just take what he knew how to do and he put it in that world, which you you can do for anything. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And like that, for one, that's such a cool thing to, just to show that, you know, that it is just about you and your style and you can take that anywhere. And it's, yeah, it's also cool just, you know, to, to, to kind of reach out and do different things too, to, to keep things different, you know? Oh yeah. I think that you should always be stretching, right? As a creator. Did your book come out in 2015? Was that your first one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of, you know, putting work into books right now. I, it, like it's it's so cool. But I mean, you did it a while ago. I feel like when it comes to you know the timeline of the last five years, like you know it was four or five years ago, ago. Yeah. it feels it was a while ago. Yes. I feel like it's becoming more common now. But what inspired you to do that then and, and to you know create a book to to do a long term project? I wanted to to have something tangible. You know, this is the beginning. This is the end. And here's the product. I think that's yeah. when you work in this industry, just like stuff that lives online or on billboards. It's never really like you can never hold it can never have it in your house or give it to somebody physically. So right. that was one of the reasons. And that's where the reasons I'm doing the second one too is make something tangible that has a lot of thought put into it and that, you know, will end up on somebody's coffee table. That's like prime real estate to me. I know, right? What's the, uh, what's the second one about? So it's about Alternative Living as well, Volume 2 Islands, and it's going to be more as a guide to... Uh, connecting with nature too. So it's going to be intertwined with stories from people who live in remote places, why they've done that, uh, sort of my own journey, and then how you can do that with limited time because nobody's got the luxury to go four months on the road and do that, right? So it's like, how do we make this connection or connection to nature in 15 days? You know, when <laughs> yeah. you have two weeks. How do you achieve exactly. that? So it's, I'm trying to, to build that guide for people. So some of the people that you talk to, you know, in the book, how do you know some of these folks? Mm. Complete random. Yeah? Yeah. I wanted to keep it like that. That's Um, super cool. Some locations were really researched, but I never knew exactly who I was going to run into. And that's what keeps it. I like to surprise myself, right? So I'm like, I'll go there and I'll find somebody and uh, I'll be great. And sometimes you find the right people. Sometimes you find not the right people. (laughs) So it's repetition again. 
And exactly. to me, that keeps it interesting, right? That's how you. That's how. That's what keeps you going is the unknown. Um, having all everybody prearranged in advance is, wasn't going to rock my boat back then. Now it's for this version, it's a bit more tighter, but I don't want to keep it too tight. It still has to be exploratory. Yeah. Did you already finish the uh, the project and no. you just have to put it together? No, no, have no. you started yet? Not yet. Yeah, I have one. <laughs> out of, oh, you've one. Yeah, it's just one story. So we got some more to do this fall and summer. It's Beautiful. only about islands, so it makes it complicated as hell. Yeah, it's only about oh, for islands sure. in the remote in the northern hemisphere, so it makes it tricky. It's not like you can go on a weekend to do it. No, exactly. Yeah, why well, assume too? You have when you do this, you have to block out this chunk in your calendar completely, yes. so you aren't you know yes. doing any other work while you're doing it. That's no. got to be kind of hard. Makes it tough. That's why. Um, this month, actually in June, we're going to reach out to some of our um, you know ferry clients and tell them what spots are available. If they want to book them, because otherwise it'll be taken by the book. So when like we you know when you're doing these projects, like when you're doing these workshops, are you just like this new book? Are you allocating all the time like for the workshops? Let's say for like that month, like are you doing you know the entire workshop in a couple of weeks and only doing that, or are you doing some shoots and then coming back to the workshop, or are you kind of like co-mingling projects at the, the same time. The workshops are always going, yeah, in my mind. I'm always like, yeah. writing, every week I'll write one or two episodes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then do you do you have a team that helps you film those or are you setting yeah. up a camera and doing it yourself? No, no. We, uh, no. Uh, I got a homie here, Tucker McDonald as well, another McDonald. Okay. They're not brothers. Yeah. Graham and Tucker. Uh, Tucker helps me here. Uh, yeah, it's, we discuss together the film. I mean, he's here full time, so we always talk about it. You know, at lunch, having coffee, he's like, "Well, how should we film this introduction?" To set it up, and I get there and we roll. Yeah. When do when do these ideas come to you for the workshops? At least the lessons in the workshops are uh, they kind of on a timeline that you're always thinking about, or what's that like? Yeah, sure. It's always ever going. Sometimes it's Tucker's idea. Sometimes somebody sends me a message, and I'm like, "Heck yeah, that'd be a good idea." Yeah. You know, I like to connect. I mean, I like to give people what they need. Right. <laughs> sometimes they don't know what they need, but sometimes they do. And if a few people will tell, will ask me about, uh, I keep a tally of questions I get, right, on a document. So the questions with the more requests will get answered. Like, you know, the topics with the more requests. And usually it's like finding your style, mastering editing. These are the biggest things. Yeah, Being yeah, that's super efficient. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. these, yeah, just keep a tally. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, I'm not trying to guess everything. Sometimes I do some out of instinct, but otherwise I'm trying to address real, real needs. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, this is a very big, open, uh, generic question, but ultimately, what do you want people to take from your workshop? No matter their skill level or how long they've been shooting for, is there kind of a, you know, like a one, like one kind of mission or or goal for, for this workshop for a new or an experienced photographer? Yes. And simple. It's, uh, you got this. There is somebody out there who, you know, who wants to hear your story, who wants, who wants your images. You just have to find them. You got it. Yeah. That's it. Man, I'm just thinking about it. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's simple as that, right? It's like, you got it. Like, don't worry about it. It's going to be good. Just keep keep doing it. It's like repetition wins. Yeah, so yeah, that, that is so it's true. Good that you watch, it's good you watch a workshop, right? It's good you do that. Now go apply that to real life. And repetition is important, you know? Like when I was... When I was younger, I you know kept hearing people talk about you know put in ten thousand hours, and I was like, yeah, that sounds like a long time. I'll be dead by then, you know. <laughs> but but it's so the true, right? Big, yeah. And like a, a decade into it, you know, as you know, like it's looking back, like there's no way you could get to where you are now without those you know ten thousand hours or without just repetition and failing in ways where you just have to kind of relearn or, or learn new sure. tactics or tools or feel uncomfortable, like feeling uncomfortable. Like that is to me, one of the most important things ever is to kind of place yourself in situations where you're forced to, to fight through it with, you know, confidence and being comfortable in, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You have to feel this discomfort and that's where the, the answer is like, that's where the, the, uh, the story begins, right? It's like, follow that, follow that discomfort. Yeah, yeah. And shoot and, that. And when it comes to, you know, like your editing style too, like they're the the way that you edit and also the way that you you storytell, like you've you've learned how to marry not just visuals. You know, you you marry a story with visuals, which not everybody does and, That's the goal, and definitely yeah. not everybody does well. You know, like w- when did storytelling become important if that you know, makes sense because I feel like there's always a time where you kind of 
put the yeah, light yeah. on. I think it came yeah. with the book. It's like, we're yeah. going to all these places, you know, I had traveled enough, but I would just come back only with like photos of the landscape, which is nothing wrong about that. But yeah, I was, sure. you know, I think like we're all craving to hear stories. I mean, yeah. just the example of humans of New York. It's like, we just want to hear stories. Exactly. We, we, yeah. we were uh, bred to share stories and pass them along. So it's like, I want to start bringing them more. And then one of the first actions was to make the book in 2015. So that's when it's going to yeah. start. Yeah. It, it adds texture, you know, like it adds, it adds feeling and it, like it, it feels much more real. Yeah. The, and you know, the Insta bangers will age pretty poorly, but the stories will remain. Yeah. 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 What, what do you think is going to happen uh, to Instagram? Do you think that our kids will have Instagram or do you think that <laughs> Instagram will not exist in 10 years? Oh, I wish I knew. I yeah, think, right? Yeah. Um, I think it'll still be here in some form or another. I mean, look at yeah. Facebook. It's been more than 10 years now. Yeah, no, I know. Oh, no, yeah, no, but, uh, t- yeah, more than 10 years been, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think it's been like 13 Gee, years of Facebook. Look at that. But now, like Instagram is ingrained in, not just Instagram, but we'll use that as an example, but just ingrained in these young kids, right? Like it, yeah. you know, it in a really negative way too, like it, it can show like worth to people. Like they'll feel like they're important or not important and all these weird psychological yeah, things meter. that are, yeah. exactly. And like, it's, it's such an interesting experiment to see. Yeah, I don't think it's good for kids. I know I definitely don't, but it's, it's so prevalent. Like it's so huge in high school and, and junior high school and even elementary school with these kids. And it's, it's, it's a weird culture thing that, that we kind of missed. And I feel like our generation, we still went through school without having the phones glued to yeah, our faces. Healthier, exactly. Yeah. But then, you know, people like you were able to, once that all started to come out to like really use it to show work, which is such yeah, an interesting yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah it's uh, it's so, it's just a weird, it's right a weird timing for sure. world. Yeah. And definitely right, right timing. Yeah. But then again, too, you have these young kids that, you know, they get these, uh, they get a camera and like we talked about earlier, you know, they want to be the biggest photographer on Instagram within a week. And it just goes back to to patience and, you know, learning the way that you should, which is just trial and error and, and lots of time. For sure. Always about repetition, but yeah, you always have to keep moving, right? It's not just like doing something and then waiting for the next thing to happen. Yeah. So... With someone like you who's done as much as you have and, you know, being so young, like, do you have any, like, crazy different out there goals in the next, like, decade? Or, or you know, are you still, like, kind of continuing to live, you know, month to month when it comes to projects and, and goals? I have usually goals laid out by year. Uh, but I've been trying to, you know, see beyond that. Um, yeah. But I- you know, looking at the whole thing, I'm in the uh, I'm in this for the next thirty years. Thirty years, right? So yeah, I'm in no rush to get anywhere, um, and the game plan is laid out year year by year. And I think it's necessary because it's so ever changing, right? The industry is ever changing, the space ever changing. So yeah, I try to keep it year by year for now. Uh, but I know, like with the workshops, you know, I'm here for the next thirty years, and everything I do, every decision I take is kind of geared towards the simple question, which will it help, you know, the greater creative community? Yes or no. That's when I decide to do something or not with the workshops. Um, so yeah, I'd be trying to be long-term. Yeah. So year by year and then month to month and then week to week. That's awesome, man. I love that. So I would love for people to, to find out how to find your workshops. If you can, if you can talk about that for a second. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we've built a banging new platform actually at stroll.works or uh, strollworks.com, either way, uh, S-T-R-O-H-L, not an easy one to spell. And then um, you can check out all the workshops there, simple. Um, yeah. It's got a sweet backend, we're really proud of. And there's also an iPhone app too, if you don't want to bother with your computer. Oh, yeah, the app's nice. called Strollworks on the App Store, iOS only. Nice, I did not know that. Yeah, it's just good because you can download your episodes if you're going to fly it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you live you know, in the woods, don't have internet, you can download, download and watch makes That's sense because awesome. we like sort of promote disconnection yeah yeah it's something that work we gotta walk the line exactly <laughs> and then it's uh alex stroll on instagram yep and stroll is s-t-r-o-h-l yes you got it 
Cool, man. Well, hey, I uh, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, you know chatting with me for a bit. Oh, it was great. That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and checking out that episode of the podcast with Alex Stroll. You can see his work at Alex Stroll on all the social medias. Uh, but really, if you can check out his workshop, please do that. It is really incredible. And there is so much good, useful information. And you know, any level of photographer or videographer, I'd say, on there can, you know, you can really, really learn a lot from him. Um, all right, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you. You can say hey to us at Darkroom. You can say hey to me at Dane Diener. And we will see you guys next week.